So over the last couple of weeks, I, I talked about two things. One, that God's perfect love drives out fear from our life. So um, one of the things that we're often afraid of is judgment from people, from God. We're afraid of him. But God's saying, don't be afraid of that. Jesus took care of it. Uh, you're not under judgment anymore. You're free. The other thing was anxiety last week. We looked at that. And that call to be anxious about nothing. But instead, do what? Pray about everything. Okay, so we talked about it in this context. Instead of worrying, pray. So turn your cares into prayers. That's easy to remember, right? I'm so good. I'm a poet. Um, yeah. Turn your cares into prayers, boys and girls. I could do a rap. Um, <laughs> this week, I wanted to talk about life for us. You know, like just to, to get us on this page that God actually wants us to have an abundant life on earth now. You know, I'm not talking about vastly rich wealth that we can just do whatever we want and indulge our own ungodly desires at any time that we want to do, but what does that mean, God wants to give us life in all its abundance? And we're going to read through John 10, uh, about half of that chapter in a minute, um, and there's one verse in particular, John 10, 10, that I want to concentrate on. I was remembering back to when I was a kid and also when I went on holidays with my family, how you know, we'd be sitting in the car and back in the old days we didn't have, you know, seat belts, that's right. <laughs> we could climb to and fro as we pleased and that was actually okay. Uh, <laughs> we didn't, I, I do love that ad for that camping gear, don't you? Like, you know, with the esky with the water and the sandwiches and I'm like, I was talking to Joe the other day about that with the, the foam eskies, does everyone remember them? Literally no hard covering, just a little thin bit of foam. And you'd always be breaking the lids and stuff like that, but funny days. Uh, but we'd go on these amazing journeys through amazing places. Like We'd go through the centre of Australia, we'd drive down south every couple of years, and of course, every now and then, my dad would be like, hey kids, have a look at the view. And you're like, who cares? Like In your heart, you're like, oh yeah, that's awesome, Dad. <laughs> But you quickly look out and look back. And we were traveling through these amazing places that had, I mean, even if it was a desert place, like I don't know if you've ever driven through South Australia from between Alice and um, Port Augusta, but some places it's just rock. But it's amazing the vastness of it as you look out and you, and you just see horizon to horizon with nothing, nothing. And, and I remember coming there one time when it was a sunrise and just seeing that, sunrise over that area but it was beautiful in its vastness and its ruggedness and its dryness and there's life out there but when I was a kid I couldn't have cared less you know it's like whatever and and also when we were in we were on a trip in America and me being me now I'm older um, I just wanted to do everything so we went to Yellowstone, Yellowstone Park yep and We'd be driving all day. We, we, <laughs> it's terrible. We, I have to tell this. The night before we got into Yellowstone Park, we were driving. It was late at night. We were like, oh, I don't know where to stop. So we stopped at this place. And if you've ever seen an American movie with um, that place you shouldn't stop at, <laughs> that's where we stopped. We hopped there. We booked the room. We go in the room. And the floor is literally like that. The beds were like that. There was bears outside. And um, 
I think I slept all right. Everyone else didn't, but but it was just a nightmare. Anyway, we went into Yellowstone, and I just loved doing everything. So I'd be like Mr. Energetic going here, there, and everywhere. Let's look at this. Let's look at that. And we got to this one point at the end where I really wanted to see the giant grizzly. Um, now, that sounds scary, right? But it's actually a big tree. Yeah. <laughs> a redwood, a giant redwood. And anyway, so I was like, come on, let's go. And it's starting to get a bit late. Got to the car park. I'm like, who's coming? And the enthusiastic was, nah, <laughs> not me. Mom says no. The two older kids say no. And Brianna, because she felt sorry for me, I'm sure. The little one, she goes, I'll come with your dad. <laughs> oh, so cute. So we went out, we looked at this big giant tree and I was so excited, I took a photo. And it's massive, like literally just, it is giant. Um, and I was wondering about that in, in context of what I'm talking about today, how, you know, as, as people, as Christians, often we get this view of life that's far less than it should be. All right? we're, we're traveling through life, the road of life as, as we speak, and, and either we're, we're, we're stunted as Christians, we're not a Christian at all, which is even worse um, for us, uh, or we're Christians that are sitting in this sort of car, you know, going through this road of life and not ever looking out beyond what what is, understanding that God has actually enriched our life in such an amazing way and that we can have life more abundantly in him because, you know, that, let's face it, sometimes we are told that, you know, with God it's all about the, the control of ourselves and you know, we're not allowed to do this and we're not allowed to do that. And it's like we've got this freedom without Jesus, but once we're in Jesus, we're in this straitjacket and can't live life. Yet, one thing we need to understand is that when we actually receive Jesus Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit living inside of us, this Holy Spirit that is in communion with our soul that can actually make a difference in our life and make it far, far better, far more exciting if we would like to go on that journey with God. Um, so we're going to read through John chapter 10 now, um, starting at verse 1 and going to verse 21. Oh, no, not 21, sorry. 16. Okay, John 10, starting at verse 1. I tell you the truth, this is Jesus speaking, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. The one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. 
The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. So this is a really beautiful passage that Jesus is talking, saying, hey guys, if you understand this fully, you will know that I am the good shepherd. I'm the one who loves the sheep, that gives his life for the sheep, that when they have a relationship with me, they will know my voice and they'll be safe. They can go in through this gate into the sheepfold. And so let's look at John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. When we fully understand the love of God, which we talked about, when we fully understand that we don't have to be anxious, this is the reason why. We understand who Christ is to us, that he didn't come to steal, kill and destroy, which is what some people believe, you know, God gives and God takes away, but... But they think of God taking away as though he's pounding them, especially those who are his, his sheep, that know his voice. Yet when we read this passage, we hear of a sheep, that is, uh, sorry, a shepherd that is tender-hearted, someone who loves the sheep, that gives his life for the sheep, yet so often we get this picture of Christ being the one who's going to wound and kill us. But here, in this passage here, Jesus, who is the true teacher of men, who causes injury to no one, brings death to no man's door, is showing us that he is leading with a fullness of goodness, kindness and love. And the whole point of Christ's coming is so that we can have happiness and a benefit from knowing him. And when we listen to that error and think that God is this vicious, violent God towards us, his children... We're listening to error and it's really deadly to our soul, but yet the truth of God is life-giving. And when I look at John 10.10, I cannot help but feel that sometimes I don't understand that, that Jesus didn't come to steal. He didn't come to steal your joy, steal your happiness, steal your family, steal your finance. He didn't come to kill. He didn't come to take away your child at a young age. He didn't come to destroy your life and kill you. And make you sick to death. And he didn't come to destroy you, but Jesus came. Why? So that firstly you could have life. Secondly, that you could have it more abundantly. And I want to really focus on that abundant life. Some of those characteristics that are given to us through Jesus because of the abundant life we have. Now I'm not going to pass over firstly that Jesus came that we might have life. We'll talk about that shortly. But what I really want to focus on is that where life is already given, so we have already been given life, he gave it so that we could enjoy life more abundantly. Not so that our life could now be miserable now that we know Jesus, but there's an abundance and a power from the Holy Spirit that can transform everything in our life if we choose to walk down that path of following him, of following his voice. So, What did Jesus say? My sheep know my voice and they follow me. They come to me. There's stories about shepherds in World War II that um, 
the enemy soldiers were trying to lure away the sheep and they, and they, they got them, they rounded them up and they're taking them away and then a shepherd's voice rang out to the sheep and the sheep knew the voice. They followed back after the shepherd and left those who had captured them. This is what it's like for us as Christians. We are not orphans, we are not left alone, but, but when we receive the Holy Spirit, what does the Bible say happens to us? That we receive his spirit. His spirit tells us that we are the sons of God. This voice that's inside of us, that, that when we're a Christian and we rely on it, the Holy Spirit tells us something so powerful that we now belong to God. We are his, we are his chosen, we are his people because of his love for us and the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. So firstly, we have been given life. That is something we cannot overlook. Let's just recap that for those who might not know, that every person is, before they're born again, before they become a Christian, under death. We're all dead. We're all dead in trespass, we're all dead in sin, we've all died spiritually. People still have this physical and mental life, but not spiritual life. And you'll never have that spiritual life unless Jesus gives it to you, unless you accept the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Yet now that we are Christians, now that we have been born again, now that the Spirit of God is living inside of us, we are the dead being risen to life. We put on incorruptible. The Holy Spirit has planted in us the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. And so we can now, because of the Holy Spirit inside of us, understand spiritual teachings. We can, we can understand the objects of Christ, what, what He's all about. And we are alive to God who is a spirit, which is why our spirit needs to be born again that's why we go to him and jesus said it to a man called nicodemus that if you want to see god you must you have to be born again you have to receive jesus christ you have to turn away from your sin you have to turn to god and understand the death of jesus christ who gave his life for your soul and that life is only to be found in Jesus. And what we have as believers is everlasting life. So Jesus said, I have come to give what? Life. Life for death. And if life could come to us apart from the cross, then why nail him there? Why let him suffer for our sin? It is an essential part of our faith. As Christians, we must believe in Jesus Christ, his death for our sin, his resurrection for our life, so that we can live forever, basically. But I wanted to talk a lot, I guess, about this abundant life. As I've sort of made clear in the, in, in the sort of little preamble there, there's little differences, there's degrees in life, isn't there? You see some people, and it seems like they're living life to the full, there's other people that... You know, it's like they've got this flickering little candle of life. It might even be you today that you're sitting there going, man, I've been a Christian, I didn't know that God actually wants to open up my life and in, there's this little flicker as if it could just be puffed out at any time. You're just existing. 
But Christ came so that his people could have life in all its fullness. And it can be seen in so many different ways. He came that we could have healing in our bodies, energy and zeal in our bodies. He restores us to spiritual health, but he is also the God who heals all our sicknesses and takes away our disease. He is the great physician. He came so that we might have health. So that's the first thing, we have health, but is my health enough for life at all? No, we need to grow. Fullness of life means that we grow. Imagine like, like you're a baby. You have to turn into a man that walks, don't you? But at some stage, stage you're alive, but you can't walk. So the freedom that you have is confined to the baby rug that you're on at the time. Then it's confined to even a larger space, but not the freedom to go and explore life. But Jesus came so that we might grow spiritually, that we might grow in divine grace, in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that we might grow in experience of who he is, that we could grow in confidence of what he's done for us, and that we could conform to the image of Christ. So this is part of the fullness of life that we have, is that once we're in Jesus, we should be growing. In fact, all of us should be, be, have this, this mindset that I'm a babe in Christ right now, but I really need to grow into a young man of Christ, if you're a man, which I am, and then into a father in the church. You see, the fullness of life as a Christian is not found by sitting in a pew. The fullness of life as a Christian is not found by not serving God. The fullness of God, the experience of life the way it should be, is found when you connect to his purpose and his plan for your life that you make a decision that I am going to grow. That me sitting on a Sunday is not good enough for me to experience the fullness of life because guess what? You never will. You will never experience the fullness of what your life should be if you don't grow. And so perhaps you're a Christian that's been attending church for a really long time. You're like, I'm not sure about this fullness of life. I don't have it. Have you made a decision that I'm going to become a mature Christian? Because the fullness of life comes through the growth. But now I've got my health. I've got my, my growth in life. But that doesn't necessarily give you liberty The liberty that comes in Christ Jesus will release you into abundant life. The Bible says, who the Son sets free is free indeed. When the Holy Spirit shows us the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you'll get life that's sparkling and flashing. It's overflowing. It's almost like these streams of the fountain flowing through your life. We are warned very carefully, do not enter back into bondage. Christian, you have the choice to enter back into bondage if you want. As soon as you put yourself back under the law and out of the grace of Jesus Christ, in fact, the, Paul said it so much as to say that you go back 
into sin when you bring yourself back under the law. The true freedom in Christ is, is found because we are not bound by our law. We're not, like I said, we're not like in this narrow alley of obedience to Christ. Yes, the road is straight. Yes, the road is narrow. But when you walk it with Jesus Christ, the world is large. There is a freedom in walking that road and there's no fear in walking that road. There's a joy instead that comes that cannot come if you remain under law, the do's and don'ts. It has to be the love of Christ released in your heart for you to actually fully enjoy the abundance of life. So we want to see that bondage off us. And, and I love one of the songs we, we sang this morning that was talking about the shame the shame is gone. You're ashamed. You're ashamed of your past. You're ashamed of how you acted. You're ashamed of who you are. And what I love about the cross, when the Bible talks about the cross, it says these things about it. It removed my sin and it removed my shame. Can I just tell you right now, if you're living in shame right now, you will never have abundance of life. You're always going to be looking back at, at your regrets, your mistakes, your sins, where you've gone wrong, and feel such shame for it. Yet who the Son sets free is free indeed. It's almost as though you exist, but you do not live. Imagine a poor person. They work from sun up till sundown. They can go wherever they want. They can go anywhere they want in the world. But at the end of the day, they have no place to lay their head. They have nowhere to call their home. Would you really call them free? I don't think so. But there are believers who choose to exist their Christian life exactly like that. They are starving and they're not feeding on the promises of God and enjoying the rich things of Jesus Christ, the things that he has stored up in his covenant of grace. Is that you? Are you a person who feels that God can't do anything for you because you are not worthy? Let me give you some good news. None of us are. None of us are worthy. On the other hand, we don't want to think we are worthy of it because we're not. Where pride and arrogance can dwell. <laughs> we are not worthy of anything of God. Yet, in his great love, he chose to love us. And that's the last one, I guess, that I wanted to talk about in terms of these four things. You can have your health. You can be growing you can have abundance because of the grace of Christ in your life. Yet you do not understand that you are loved. You do not have esteem. You do not have a sense of belonging. And what happens to people like that is that they've, they've forgotten hope. They've forgotten what love is truly like. And the conviction of sin tends to fall on them in a strong way. 
But God says that we are no longer slaves, but we are heirs of salvation. (laughs) We are heirs of salvation. In fact, he goes so far as to say everything that Christ has is for us, for the church. So it may be today that you are thinking that you are a nobody, that you're relying on your self-esteem to get you through. It's never going to happen. I want to tell you this morning that no matter what you think, God thinks different. I, I, I love the psalm that talks about, you know, that he formed us in, in the mother's womb. But the best part of that psalm, I love <laughs> how precious are his thoughts about me. They are more than the grains of sand. It's not even the fact that God thinks about me that awakens my soul to him. But when it says, how precious are your thoughts about me? How precious are your thoughts about me? Can you imagine the God of the universe dwelling upon you for a moment? No doubt you'd probably go, oh man, God must hate me. God must be so disappointed in me. God must just see me as a little worm that's crawling around on this earth. But yet the psalmist declares with great boldness, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. When God thinks of you, he doesn't think bad of you. He sees you as you truly are, born again, a son of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. He sees you as a person filled with his Holy Spirit and with love. He sees you as a person with such promise and potential to walk out his purpose on this earth. He sees you as valuable. He sees you as precious. And it's not just a one-time thought for our Heavenly Father, but his thoughts are more than the sand on the seashore. That your God, your Father, thinks about you daily in a beautiful way, a good way. Loving you every moment. Caring for you every second of the day. So much that we could be so certain that we could never, ever escape his love. What a precious thought. So here we are. We're going to go through seven things that we should desire for a more abundant life in Christ Jesus. When you understand the abundance of life, you get stamina. Jesus has come, so in a spiritual sense, we might have stamina in our lives, that we could live well-established, and vigorous lives on this earth. Have you ever met those people that really display when they understand the fullness of God, that he wants life more abundantly? Their cry is, my strength is in the Lord. And, and in their soul, there's this true grit. There's this nature that, that is just so bound up in Christ Jesus. They're not busy trying to make a decision for him They've made the decision. They have a tenacity of belief and a firmness of grip and they will not fall away from Christ. 
those who have received life more abundantly are good soldiers of Jesus Christ. They're strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Secondly, when you get this abundance of life, the whole sphere of your life is opened up. What do I mean? (laughs) We discover so much more about life. You know, there are those who all they do from sun up till sundown is think about finance. That's their life. There's others who all they think about is the next drink. There's others who might be stuck on sport all day. It's like there's this narrowness of mind, but when we have Jesus Christ in our life, our life becomes enlarged. It's like sitting in that car, not looking out, but all of a sudden, when the Spirit of Christ hits you, this world becomes so much larger. We know that we're blessed to be forgiven. We know what it's like to feel the Father's kiss, and we know what it's like to be dear to the Father's heart. There's this opening in our mind of the mysteries of God. There's communion with this infinite being who was and is and is to come. There's the one who reveals himself to us. And we receive revelation, not just information. When you get this abundance of life in your heart, you'll read the Bible in a different way. The scriptures will come alive and you will read them five times and get five different messages from your Lord. He opens up your world, that it's not narrow, but it's broad. There's this opening to see all of God's goodness in everything. The abundant life, it's like, like, I'll say it this way, our powers are brought into exercise. What does that mean? Our powers are brought into exercise. It means that we become who God wants us to be. Now, if you've been in church for a long time, you'll recognize the name Peter. Think about his life before Pentecost, before the Holy Spirit came upon him. In fact, all of the the apostles, the disciples, they're often, often ambitious and contentious. They'd argue among themselves. But after the Holy Spirit came upon them, how different they were. Peter in the gospel, sitting around a campfire when Jesus was being crucified, denying that he even knew Christ before a small group of people, afraid. Peter after Pentecost, going out and preaching in the streets that Jesus is the way of salvation. A man who only not long before had been cowering became this mighty warrior for Jesus Christ. In fact, I love how Jesus changed his name from the reed to the rock. And that's what Christ can do in you. He can change you from the reed, someone who's blown around by the wind, to this rock that stands solid in any storm. You can become on fire. The passion inside of you ignited and your life becomes entirely consecrated to Jesus Christ. Number four, life in all its abundance means we'll have increased energy. So it's great to have all this power and 
and everything, but what if we lack that intensity of purpose? Increased energy. The Lord Jesus has furnished us with a purpose that is able to stimulate us to an energetic life. Why? Because when we understand his life, the love of God compels us. It moves us to work for him. We become resolved earnestly that we are going to seek his honour in this earth. When God has ignited that flame in our life, it's incredible what happens. And I know you know people like that. You look at them and you see their faith is strong in God. They understand that God loves them, that he's on their side, that, that he gave everything for them and that God has given them abundant life. And they just seem to have this energy. You look at them and you're burnt out just watching them. But they keep going and going and going. God wants that in your life. Are you someone who lacks the energy? God wants you to have it. Abundant life in him. Five, we overflow with enjoyment. (laughs) And I, and I, I know I feel that so much. Like even in worship this morning, it's just like so fun. So fun. Man, Jesus, you love me. This is awesome. I love worshiping you. It's just great. Like I feel so good. An overflow of enjoyment in your life. Perhaps you don't enjoy life. And you think, oh, that's the cross that Jesus gave me to bear. I just want to say to you, the other week I was looking at this cross at prayer meeting and I was like, someone was talking about stuff and I was like, gee, I'm so glad that we don't have to die on the cross. We don't have to be crucified. We, We crucify our flesh, the Bible says. But I feel like many of us as Christians think we need to jump up on that cross daily. So when we hear the the word daily carry the cross, we're like this burden to bear from Jesus. No. Carrying the cross is not sitting on the cross. It's not having nails driven through your arms. It's not having a crown of thorns thrown on your head. Carrying the cross is this, that you are always aware of the grace and the power of Jesus Christ in your life And that burden is on the cross, not on you. You're carrying it. The cross is not carrying you. You are carrying it not as a burden but as a delight to remember the freedom that you have in Jesus Christ. An old preacher said this, Never has a revival of religion come without a revival of singing. That is what happens in your life when Jesus has set you free. You must have had days like that. You wake up and you're just singing. Who hasn't had those? Me. (laughs) Weirdo. (laughs) But haven't you had that time, you know, you just la-da-da, zippity-doo-da, zippity-day. My, my, what a lovely day. The joy that you get is expressed outwardly. And you know what, as a Christian, if you don't love singing, if you don't love that joy of song and praise towards God, it is very clear that you are not free. Because it bubbles up. When God gives you life, you will have more joy even in circumstances that are no good. 
Number six, this is a sort of strange one, but you'll actually feel more deeply. It's, it's a, a good and a bad thing, but I think overall it's good. You'll feel sin far more. When you sin, the pain of that sin hurts much more. You actually don't like it. You shrink from it. And that is the goodness of this life in Jesus Christ. We're not trying not to sin. We are abhorred by sin. We hate it. So our lives become different. We won't want to do those things anymore. In fact, if we do it, there's this pain that comes in it. We feel more pain for people. We become more compassionate for those. But we're also more sensitive to joy and the good things of life. Our hearts will become tender and they swell with this exuberance for life. We, we love things, we feel things, we, we know what things feel like. And I guess like when I thought about that, I was thinking about those times in life. So again, we can drive in a car, we can even look at the scenery, but to actually experience it, What's, what's it like out there? You know, there's days I sit in the office and it's air-conditioned, I look outside, what a beautiful day. And I walk out and I just go, sweat. <laughs> <laughs> but do you know what it's like? You look at the snow and you're like, oh, that's beautiful, that snow, I can see it. But you go out in and you touch that snow and it's cold. In fact, <laughs> when we were kids, mum and dad took us to the snow so excited Step out, wait a minute, this snow stuff's cold. Start crying. My sisters did, not me. <laughs> but this is the life of Christ, that, that it's not just this looking from the outside, it's the experiencing, like we, we talked about, the love of God. It's not just knowing about it, it's not just seeing other people touched by the love of God but it's when we actually experience in our life and that's what it's like. This abundance of life that Jesus wants for us is that we can feel things, that we can sit outside and feel the cool breeze flowing over us, that we can touch things, that we can taste, that we can smell, that we can experience life in all its fullness. And the last one I'll talk about today, that there's a thousand things that God would do with this life abundantly. But life becomes supreme. What does that mean? I hold on to my life for all it's worth? No. It means that life overcomes circumstance. Your life in Christ overcomes circumstance. Circumstance does not overcome you. That's abundance of life. Because the truth is that we're all going to have circumstance in our life, good, bad. But when you are living the abundant life with Jesus Christ, whatever happens in your life, there's this firm foundation and trust in God that you will overcome. That in him you have life, but not just life, life more abundantly. How about we pray? Father God, you sent your son Jesus, not just that I could be free, but that I could be free indeed. 
Lord, that no longer would sin bind me, but also no longer should this world overcome me. But Lord, you talk about us being overcomers through Christ Jesus. Father, I want to pray over us today the abundance of life. Lord God, that whatever's lacking, that you would fill it. Holy Spirit, touch us deeply today that we might know you more, that we might walk in that joy and strength and zeal and purpose that you have for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Now maybe this morning that you're not even born again. I said at the start of the message, you have to be born again to see God. What does that actually mean? (laughs) Your spirit man is renewed. How's it renewed? By believing in Jesus Christ. His death on the cross was for your sin. You cannot have that complete relationship with God if there's sin in the way. How are you going to get rid of it? One way. Believe in Jesus, that's it. He died on the cross for your sin. He want. He wanted to restore that relationship with you. So this morning, if that's you, I'm just going to pray. You pray with me. And you can invite Jesus into your life today if you want. Father God, I'm so sorry that I've sinned against you. This morning, I want relationship with you. My life is crap. And I just want it to be changed. I want the abundance of life that Jesus gave. Forgive me for my sin. Set me free, I pray. From this day on, I just want to live with with you and I want to live for you. Amen. Now, as I've talked this morning, maybe there's one point that sort of resonated with you. And you're like, you know what? I don't have energy. You know, I don't have stamina. I don't have joy. There might be something in there that that you're like, I really don't have this fullness of life. I know I'm there, but I actually hate myself. We, We pray for people at Cornerstone at the front after the service. And I just want to invite you down. Don't, please, I just felt like I was praying about this this morning and I was just like, you know, we, we have what we call altar calls. This is the altar. It's really just come up the front of the church for some prayer. It's, that, it's simple as that. But it's powerful as well. I know if you've ever come up and felt the presence of God touch you just because you've been obedient to come and and just get prayed for. It's happened to me. I've fallen over at the front before, different places where I felt God's presence so strong. Other times you just feel like crying. Other times people shake a little bit or they just feel this closeness to God. I don't know what it is. And You know, we can say, yeah, I'll pray myself. It's all good. But you know what? This message this morning, it spoke to your heart and, and you think, man, I want to change that. Why not get some help? And it's not the person helping, but they're praying through with you and and the Holy Spirit, inviting the Holy Spirit to come on that journey with you and touch your life. 
um, just love to pray for you. As simple as that. Um, there's people here, Shannon can come and pray, Joe, Isaac, Ashley. The elders of the church just come and pray with you. Because who the sun sets free is free indeed. When you get prayed for, we're going to pray this over your life, that whatever area it is that you feel like you're not free, that the Holy Spirit comes and breaks whatever bondage is there. Or else you can walk out today with a good intention that, you know, I'll deal with this. And you may, it's good. Like, I, I do that myself. Sometimes I'm like, no, actually, that's something I'll pray about. Got it. But perhaps this morning something's spoken to you and you're like, I oh, mean, I really hate myself. Well, come up for prayer. Let's pray that God will reveal himself to you, that the freedom, the fullness of life will come today.